I know there's a lot of words in, in that title. And then also kind of a, a subtitle, what we began to talk about last time we were together, uh, not as the world receives. And Jesus said in John 14 and 27, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so we see that Jesus was saying that he was giving us something um, in a way that was different from the way the world gives things to people. And I got to thinking about this. When we receiving from God, we don't receive from him the way the world receives things from one another. Receiving things from God is different from, in, in many ways, than receiving something from another uh, human being, another person. Now, I know that some maybe would kind of balk at that at first because obviously God has made it easy and simple for us to receive, but there are aspects to receiving from God that we need to understand. So let me do a little bit of review. We said the quality of your foundation will determine whether you stand strong or waver. So if we're going to stand strong in faith and not waver in unbelief, we need the right foundation to stand upon because if the foundation isn't correct, it doesn't matter how determined we are to stand, if the foundation is wobbly and wavering, we're going to wobble and waver as we try to stand upon it. So a comprehensive approach to receiving from God, what do we mean by that? Well, what we see in Scripture, again, a pattern in Scripture, and that's one of the phrases we're going to emphasize more than once tonight, an established pattern in Scripture to follow and understand and, and study out, even Romans 4 says, take the same steps as, uh, this pattern has been uh, established for us and there are different aspects or there are different elements involved in this established pattern to receiving from God. And so when we say comprehensive, that means including all the elements or aspects of something as opposed to a limited one or few. And also in the course of our study, we've said focusing on one element while ignoring the others is a common and costly mistake. Now, this, is, this next slide is the one, um, if you will turn to that one, uh, Mark, and I appreciate it. Um, these are the aspects and elements, amen, we talk about a comprehensive approach. Obviously, there's way more to this than the simple words that we're using to communicate these things. But I keep wanting to bring this back to you and keep putting this back in front of you. And the more I meditate on this, the more I search this out in Scripture, the more I compare this to others in the Scriptures who through faith and patience inherited the promises, amen, I, I'm, I'm really becoming more and more confident that, that this is where we need to be and what the Holy Spirit is, is wanting us uh, to see. I, like you, I'm learning. Amen? Uh, and, and I'm not trying to uh, say, you know, uh, this and nothing else because there can always be something that the Lord shows us down the road. What He's teaching us today is positioning us and preparing us for what He wants to show us uh, tomorrow. But if you notice... On this particular slide, at the very base of that is just simply God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And each layer and level 
is resting upon the, the next. And this is what we mean by this comprehensive approach to receiving from God. And so uh, resting upon God himself is God's nature, character, and ability. And resting upon God's nature, character, and ability are God's thoughts, desires, and actions. And by actions, we, we mean things that he has done. You can learn a lot about God and who he is and what he's like by looking at what he has done, especially what he has done for you and for me. And then we see that God's word rests upon his thoughts, desires, and actions. In other words, when we, when we take the scriptures, let me, let me tell you what you find here. You find God's thoughts. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 55 says his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and they're, they're as, they're, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's thoughts higher than our thoughts. But we have here the thoughts of God. His, his word contains his thoughts. Jesus is referred to as the word of God made flesh. I've heard it explained this way. Jesus is a living, breathing expression of the divine mind or the divine intelligence. If you, if you really want to know what God the Father is thinking, look at the earthly life and ministry of Jesus because we see him as a living, breathing expression of God's thinking and God's mind. Now, from here, some of these different elements and aspects of faith are, are going to, uh, I'm sorry, elements or aspects of receiving from God are going to become familiar because we know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this is where a lot of people think in terms of how you receive from God. You receive from God by faith. And that, and that would be a correct answer. You receive from God by faith. You receive salvation from God by faith. You receive healing from God by faith. You receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit from, uh, uh, you know, from God by faith. So you're absolutely right. That's why without faith it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But remember, faith is awakened, aroused, and strengthened by the word of God. It's based upon it's according to. Our faith is according to God's word. Amen. Our faith, what we believe to receive from God, is according to God's word. Amen? Okay. So remember when God speaks to Abraham and Sarah and says that they're going to have a son. His words carried no weight. His words caused them to laugh. His words were of little to no value to them. Why, is, why was that? It's because they don't understand his thoughts, desires, and actions. It's because they don't understand his nature, character, and ability. As a matter of fact, notice now, when, when the angel of the Lord answered their laughter with, why did you laugh? The angel of the Lord did not refer to the veracity of God's word. Are you following what I'm saying? He didn't say... Why, if God speaks, you can take it to the bank. He didn't try to convince them of God's word. He tried to convince them of God's ability. Because until they understood God's ability, God's words, based upon his ability, were going to carry little to no weight for them. So what did the angel of the Lord say? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So as, as we look at this comprehensive approach, we see then that hope is based upon Faith, our action response to God's word. Hope is confident and joyful expectation. And then we see that endurance, also referred to in scripture as patience, we see that through faith and patience is how we inherit or, or literally hold in our possession uh, the, the results that we have received and are receiving from God. Now, 
every time I work my way through this, I'm talking about when I work my way through this, just me and the Lord, okay? Not when I get in front of you, but even more so, maybe when I get in front of you, there's just so many things that, that fire off in my, in my heart and in my spirit. And, and a lot of that goes back to just the time that I have spent personally meditating on these things. And, and one of the things that the Holy Spirit keeps directing me back to is God's nature, character, and ability. See, if you're ever going to have the full persuasion confidence that you need in the Word of God, you've got to have the full persuasion confidence in God's nature, character, and ability. And the one that the Lord, the last maybe eight or, or ten days, the one that He's really been emphasizing about God's nature and character is, is His honor. Amen. God is a God of honor. Amen. I mean, I, I am honored and thankful to have uh, fellowship with a lot of honorable men and women over the years. People that, if they tell you something, they're going to do it. People that, that um, you know, are, are upstanding, upright, godly men and women, men and women of, of integrity, men and women of honor, people that I trust, people that I know that I can depend upon, that I can count on in my own personal uh, blood family, but also in, in my family of faith, right? And, and so this honor and, and this, this, this characteristic of honor, I know we've been talking about this some on Sundays, it's such, a, it's such a beautiful and precious thing, but I want you to, sp- I kind of been giving you some of these assignments, I don't know if you've been taking them seriously or not, I trust that you have, but, but I want you to, like when you lay your head down tonight and you, and, you, and you start to drift off to sleep, I want you to begin to just sit there and, and think about and meditate upon how honorable God is, the level and the degree of honor that he has. See, this is a key part of his character, this is a key part of his nature. God does not have, we would say it this way, God is a spirit, obviously, but, you know, we would say, you know, he doesn't have a dishonorable bone in his body. It's impossible for him to lie. So do you see why it's it's such a, a travesty when we question his word? Amen. But why do we question his word? We question his word because we, we don't know enough about how he thinks and what he ultimately desires for himself and for us and the fellowship that we have with him and, and his actions and what he's already done for us and what he's already given to us, which, again, is based upon his nature, character, and ability and ultimately comes back to and is anchored in who he is. Now, this, um, this next statement, willpower is no substitute for the right foundation. Willpower is no substitute for the right foundation. There's an expression in addiction recovery, it's called white-knuckling it. I don't know if you've ever heard that. And the idea behind white-knuckling it is, you know, maybe your body is craving your former drug of choice or, or um, you're, you're in a state of physical withdrawals or, or emotional mental withdrawals from, from your former drug of choice. And the idea is we're, gonna, we're just going to grab something, we're just going to hang on for everything we're worth and, and hang on to your to your till your whuckles turn night, <laughs> till your knuckles turn white. You with me? So that's the idea behind willpower. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not uh, devaluing this idea of making up a, our minds, making a quality decision, and then when Satan comes against that and, and tries to push us and move us off of that, where you know, we stand our ground and, and, and we set our face like a flint and, and we're, we're determined. All of that's extremely important. It's, it's biblical, okay? Determination, so forth and so on. But 
what I mean by willpower is no substitute for the right foundation. The idea that I'm, I'm not going to doubt, I'm not going to say anything negative, I'm, not gonna, you know, I'm just going to white-knuckle it un, until the answer comes. It's no substitute. Back to, back to um, the first point that we made. You don't have to go back to it, Mark, but the quality of your foundation will determine whether you stand strong or waver. And I think what a lot of people have, have done is they're, they're, they're not really fully convinced. They still have doubts in their heart and mind. But you know what? We're just going to, through sheer determination and sheer willpower, we're going to refuse to doubt. Well, it, it, that doesn't work. If you haven't figured that out by now, that doesn't work. Okay? Because if, if, if the foundation isn't right, I feel some pushback on that. If the foundation isn't right underneath you, Right? It doesn't matter how determined you are to stand, if you're standing on something that's unstable, if you're standing on something that's movable, it's going to move under you. Okay, thank you for that amen. I'm, I, I was needing one. Amen. All right, now, let's look at some of our key verses for this uh, study, all right? Um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. Um, and we'll look at a few here and, and, a, and another one in a moment. I put this in my notes. You, you can know what the Bible says, but not know God. I, you can know what the Bible says, but not know God. You realize the people who stripped Jesus naked, beat him almost to death, and, and nailed him to a cross could quote the Bible. Some of them would quote it frontwards and backwards. I'm talking about the Old Testament. Okay. They knew the Bible. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, my word has no place in you. They had his word, they had no, no value for his word. And because they had no value for his word, they had no value for him. He said, if you valued me, you would value my words. If, if you gave me place in your life, then my words would have place in, my li- in your life. If you gave my words place in your life, you would give me place in your life. You, you, you can't have one without the other. So you can know what the Bible says, but not know God. Let me say it another way. You can know about God, but not know Him personally. Are you with me? It's it's like, um, you know, some celebrity or some politician or some, uh, you know, pop music star or what have you. Maybe you're a fan and and you like their music or you like their politics or you, uh, athletics, they're they're the quarterback of your favorite team or, or something along those lines. You know, you can have respect, you can have admiration, you can uh, appreciate that person, you can even feel like you, you know that person because you know about them, but you don't really know that person. You really don't know that person. And there are a lot of folks who are in that same situation when it comes to, to God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They know a whole lot about Him based upon what the Bible says, but they don't know Him. So do you see when we jump in the middle, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, you know, we're just going to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We're going we're to get the principles. We're going to get the precepts. We're going to get the concepts. We're going to get the steps. We're going to, one, two, three, A, B, C. We're going to cross every I, dot every T. You know, again, willpower, right? Or as my mother says, sense knowledge. <laughs> but it still comes back to the fact that you can't trust what somebody says if you don't trust the person. How can you know whether or not that person is going to do what they say if you don't know anything about their nature, their character, their ability, what they're thinking, what their motives are, what their desires are, what, what they've done in the past? 
So do you see what we're talking about? This, this comprehensive approach where we have all of these different aspects and elements. See, it comes back to God when you, when you know who He is, when you know what He's like. And notice, the more you understand His nature, the more you understand His character, the more you understand His ability. People stand in pulpits all the time and say, thing, say God has done things that God's never done. Say that God's behind things that God's never behind. These tornadoes that came through last night, people saying, well, that's just the finger of God. My friend, that is the devil. It's the curse. When, when, when weather threatened Jesus and his disciples, uh, it wasn't God. It was the devil, and Jesus destroyed that work. He rebuked the storm. If God had been behind that storm, he would have been rebuking his father. Are you kidding me? So people say all these things, they don't know him. They don't know who he is. Now, does that mean that we understand everything and why everything happens? Maybe we do, maybe we don't. I'm not, I'm not here to, to judge all that. I, I, what I do know is that not only will the Holy Spirit show it to you, if you want to know, he'll even show you things to come that haven't happened yet. You can know what the Bible says but not know God. And, and, and ultimately, what we're seeing here is learning to trust Him. Amen. All right, let's get to Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, also means lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So a few things, we've read this passage a few times and we've commented on a couple of pieces of it. I want to bring a little more up onto the table because that list of elements and aspects, comprehensive approach to receiving from God that I've given you, notice we're seeing those different parts and aspects referred to in, in these verses. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence, full assurance, full assurance, full persuasion of confident expectation until the end. So he's talking about um, you know, being diligent and following it through. Okay, So there, there comes your endurance and your hope. Verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience, patience and endurance are the same word here, inherit the promises. So remember, inherit means, inherit means to physically possess what belongs to you as a child of God. And over the years, and we did it last time we were together, there's verse after verse after verse after verse in the scriptures that talk about not what God will give you, but what He's already give, given you. Not what He will do for you, but what He's already done for you. Not what you will become, but what you've already been made. Amen. And we, and we see that the only way to understand those things is to understand that you're a three-dimensional being. So it's one thing for God to give you something. It's another thing for you to actually um, possess it or hold it in your hand or, we, as we like to say, experience and enjoy it in your physical life reality. But I want to, as we move forward tonight, I want to draw your attention to that word in verse 12, imitate. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Imitate means to mimic to mimic. It also means to follow the example and it also means to repeat the established pattern. 
to repeat the established pattern. So first of all, he's talking about those who through faith and patience have actually possessed in their physical life reality the things that God has given to them, things that belong to them because God has given them to them and God said that this was who He made them, this is what He had given to them, this is what belongs to them. Remember 1 Corinthians 2, he says, We have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Amen? So based on that one verse alone, you've been given things that you don't know you have. Things belong to you that you don't understand are yours. He has already given to you. He's already blessed you. He's already given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We could go on and on and on. All right. So he says, look at the example of those who through faith and patience have possessed what God promised and gave to them and follow their example. Repeat the established pattern. Let me say it another way. Do what they did and do it the way they did it. So we mentioned this a moment ago. Romans 4 and 12 says to walk in the steps of the faith Abraham had. There are other examples. I think there are real-time, real-life examples of men and women who in our, in other words, certainly we have these patterns and examples in the scriptures, okay? But there are also, and, and don't you want to be one of those examples that people can look to? The Apostle Paul said it by the Holy Spirit, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, he was someone who was uh, fulfilling his purpose, fulfilling his destiny. And he was saying, look, I'm an example you can follow. Follow my pattern. Do what I'm doing. Do it the way I, I'm doing it. Amen. And there are people in my life that, that I am watching them lay hold of and, and hold in their hands uh, the, 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 and, and, and express in their life reality, the, the, the realities of the new birth that exist deep inside of them. But to me, if, if we're going to look at it in Scripture... To imitate or to, to, to follow the example, repeat the established pattern, do what somebody did the way somebody did it, Romans 4 and 12 puts that stamp on Abraham. So we've said this before, and I'm, I'm going to say it again using this verse. There's an established way to receive from God. It's not random, it's not vague, it's specific, and it's clear. In other words, there's a right way to do it, and any variation or deviation from the established way will not produce results in your life or will limit the results that you experience. Now, we also see Hebrews 6 and 19 in that, in that same uh, group of verses. He says, This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Now, if you, if you go back to the comprehensive list based upon God, right? Then we have His nature, character, and ability. We have His thoughts, desires, and actions. Then we have His Word, which 
reveals to us what he's thinking, what he's done, what he desires, what he wants for you, what, he, what he's given to you, what he says belongs to you, what he says you've become, what he made you, right? All of that is in his word. So how, how can we know that? Because it doesn't seem like any of that's true. It's because of his character, because of his nature, because of his ability. If he says he's made you righteous, he's made you righteous at great cost to himself. If he says he's made you free, then quit arguing with him and agree with him. He's made you free. Amen. But we, we see all these things in, in his word. We were talking about this in, in, in class. You know, you see, you need a mirror to see things. Remember this from uh, several weeks back? I don't need a mirror to see my hand. I need a mirror to see what I can't see any other way. And the word of God reveals things to you and me that we can't see any other way. And we look in the word of God and we see as a born again man or woman that this is who we've become and, and this is what's true about us now. And this is what belongs to us because of who we are in Christ. And this is what we can do because of who we are in Christ. And he's, it's all right there spelled out for us in, in the Word of God. But now it comes down to, are, are we going to believe this? Are we going to act on this? Are we going to keep telling God that He doesn't know what he's, think, he's talking about? All right, so, thank you, Jesus. So this hope we have, hope, remember, is joyful and confident expectation but you don't just decide to have hope. Bible hope is based upon something, just like Bible faith is based upon something, just like it's based upon God's Word. Hope is based upon faith. Faith rests upon God's Word. God's Word rests upon God's thoughts, desires, and actions. God's thoughts, desires, and actions rest upon God's nature, character, and ability. And God's nature, character, ability goes back to God Himself. So He says the hope that we have, this confident expectation this joyful expectation that we have. See, this is, what does it support in our lives? It supports the patience. It supports the endurance. If you don't have the confident, joyful expectation, you are not going to endure what you're going to need to endure, the attacks that Satan tries to bring against your mind, the thinking when he tells you nothing's happened, you didn't receive anything, you're not healed, you're not this, you're not that. If you don't have the joyful, confident expectation, you're not going to endure to the point of inheriting, holding in your possession what God's already says is yours. So he says that the hope we have, notice, is an anchor for the soul, not an anchor for the body, not an anchor for the spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. He says the confident expectation is an anchor for the soul. Why is this? It's because the soul is the part of you that is most vulnerable to missing out on what God desires to do in you, through you, and with you, and for you, and so forth and so on. If you have been blessed, where have you been in your born-again spirit? If you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, where have you been given those things? Your born-again spirit. If by His stripes you were healed, where is healing right now in you tonight? It's in your born-again spirit. For the new birth reality to become an outward expression of life, it's got to come from this innermost part of you springing up. Your soul then becomes the valve. It'll either open up and allow these new birth realities to flow freely from you, or it'll be a valve that, that your thinking and your doubt and your unbelief shuts off and closes and prevents these things from flowing and you actually inheriting, which what does it mean again? Inherit means to hold it in your hands. To actually possess it and experience it. So he says the hope then becomes the anchor of the soul. The anchor. 
And I love this, both sure and steadfast. It's not just sure and it's not just steadfast, it's sure and steadfast. We'll talk about what that means in just a minute. And which enters the presence behind the veil. So if we think of it in terms of a ship, because a lot of times we think of an anchor anchoring a a ship in uh, rough waters. The anchor for a ship is secured to something unseen and immovable. And we're right about this. What holds a ship in a specific position, in a specific place? It's an anchor. And the anchor is in an unseen and immovable place. So, Smithsonian Channel, mighty ships. Anybody? I may be a nerd, okay, on that. So, there's this this port in this uh, bay in Italy that the waters are so deep, it's very difficult for a cruise ship to anchor, but there's, there's an, uh, an, an underwater, I think, if I remember correctly, it was caused by, by an ancient volcano, but the water is shallow enough there for the ship to anchor, but it's, it's very difficult, the, the ship, because you can't, you know, can't only through uh, electronic equipment, you can't look overboard and see it, so he... The, the captain tries to get the ship there, and then it takes a long time for that anchor to go down. And he's trying to hit the top of that mound underwater to anchor there. In this particular episode, he tried two or three times, and he finally said, you know what, we, these people are ready to get off this boat. And so he used the global positioning system and the bow thrusters and all that to just literally keep the boat in place um, instead of it actually being physically anchored. Um, so again... The anchor, it has to be connected to something immovable. So the anchor for a ship is secured to something unseen and immovable. The wind and waves trying to move the ship are all on the surface. So in the same way, we've got to be anchored to something unseen and immovable to keep what we can see and what we is trying to move us from moving us. Right? And notice, notice where the enemy is trying to move you. He's trying to move you in your soul, which is the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, your mind, your emotions, and your choices, your willpower. Your, mind is, your, your soul is your mind, your, your emotions, and your will. The part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that chooses. And so, praise the name of the living God. Do you you see where we are now? Hope, hope is is what sustains the endurance. And you know what comes after endurance? I wish I could, how do y'all, how does the young people do that dance? (laughs) Endurance is is the breakthrough, right? Endurance is, 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 is when the, the lingering symptoms are gone. Endurance is when the bank account's full. Endurance is when we actually hold in our possession. Right? So do you see why we need to be anchored to something or someone, if you will, that's immovable? So what, again, anchored to the capital U, unseen, capital I, immovable God. Now, he says it enters the presence behind the veil. Veil in Scripture 
can mean different things. And, and perhaps like me, the first thing I think of behind the veil is the, is the veil that separated the Holy of Holies here upon the earth. But remember, when Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross, that veil was torn in two from, from top to bottom. Amen. So here, veil is referring to um, that which conceals the realm of the spirit from the realm of the natural. We see that use of the word veil. So there is a visual veil. Your physical eyes can only see a very small sliver of light. The light that your eyes, your physical eyes can discern is, is defined by Roy G. Biv. Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. That's the only light that your eyes can see. But we know that the light spectrum is much greater than that. Have you ever heard of ultraviolet light or infrared light? Ultraviolet is all the light on the other side of violet, and infrared is all the light on the other side of red. So in the entire light spectrum, you can only see a very small sliver. There's a veil. There's the unseen realm of the Spirit. He says that true Bible hope, joyful, confident expectation, it anchors our soul on the other side of that veil into the very presence of God Himself. Holds us steady. Enables us to endure. Enables us to stand strong. And not just standing strong, happy while we're doing it. Excited about what's to come. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When you're you're waiting and enduring in joyful and confident expectation, the closer you get to the actual physical breakthrough, the stronger. You don't, you're not, hold it on, oh, Jesus, come. No, no, man, you're, like, you're getting more and more excited. You're getting more and more joyful. Sure and steadfast. You got another minute or two? Sure and steadfast. Sure means that which cannot fall. That which cannot fall. Firm, steady, sure, immovable. The word immovable is in both of these definitions. It's in the definition for sure, and it's in the Bible definition for steadfast. But I like that first part. It's sure in the sense that it cannot fall. See, this comes back to this, uh, this unshakable, immovable foundation, this comprehensive approach to where we fellowship with God and, and, and we've learned from Him about His nature, character, and ability. And we've learned from Him about how He thinks and what His motivations and desires are and, and, and what He's done and, 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 and how He's done it. And, and are, you, are you following what I'm saying? See, all of, all of these things are, are putting underneath us a foundation that cannot fall. It's sure. It's steady. It's immovable. The word steadfast means something that is fixed. It's established. It's sure. It's certain. 
that which does not fail or waver, again, immovable, and on which one may rely. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So this hope, in other words, specific and precise hope as opposed to that which the world calls hope, confident and joyful expectation of some future good serves to anchor our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, and our choices. Now, let me, I want to I finish up with one last thought. We'll, we'll get back to it next Wednesday, I believe. All right? At some point we will, I know that. It's too important not to. <clears throat> Learning to receive from God as a three-dimensional being. Okay? Um, Mark, I don't know what slide number it is, but... I've got three reasons there. Why is a comprehensive approach to receiving necessary? Do you, do you see that one? Um, there's three reasons that, we, that I know of right now. The first one is you're a three-dimensional being. The second one is spiritual things must be received spiritually and then manifested physically. And the third one is you're not receiving in a neutral environment. Meaning what? Meaning there are forces of darkness that are trying to cheat you and rob you and steal from you that do not want you to become a living sacrifice, becoming living proof of a living God. Okay? So again, you're a three-dimensional being. Comprehensive approach is necessary. You're a three-dimensional being. Comprehensive approach is necessary because spiritual things must be received spiritually first and then manifested physically. And then number three, you are not receiving in a neutral environment. Okay? So we see then this established process. If you, if you take that list, God, God's nature, character, ability, God's thoughts, desires, and actions, and if you, if you look at the, the story of Abraham when God promised him, right? Promised, he inherited faith and patience, he inherited the promise, that he and Sarah would have a child. The New Testament version of it kind of polishes it, Right? Because it's, it's, it's gone from the actual chain of events in the Old Testament through the blood of Jesus. And so if you just read it from the New Testament, right, you think, oh, well, wow, easy peasy lemon squeezy, right? But if you go all the way back and, and get the gory details, you see that, you know, they came up with this idea of, um, of Sarah's handmaiden, her servant girl, having the baby instead of her. And that didn't work out so well. And you know, trying to do through the flesh what God wanted them to do by faith and through the Spirit. Amen. So you see, you see all of those different aspects transpire. But you also see how by giving glory to God, by, by focusing on God's nature, character, and ability, and how God's Word began to carry so much more weight, and how eventually through this whole process, Isaac was conceived and given birth to, and then even offered... As a sacrifice, sometimes we leave that part out, but I mean that's that's next level faith times three. Okay, now here's the thought: Have you ever considered 
that Jesus could have just laid hands on Sarah and said, be pregnant, and then just... You say, well, you sure about that? He could have. I mean, we saw him on this earth as a man. Um, Lazarus, come forth. Uh, take up your bed and walk. Uh, he, you know, I mean, he could have. He could have said, "I'm not trying to be graphic or funny here." Organs be restored. Come here, both of you stand. Yeah, you know, I, I love it when I see like pastors or ministers, evangelists praying for couples. You know, about how many times have I seen Jesse Duplantis do it? You know, it's like, "Come here, come here." You know, he could have said, "Abraham, come here, Sarah, come here." Both of you stand right here. Take her by the hand. Whew, both of them slain in the spirit. Woke up with fresh bodies. Now, y'all leave him alone. Y'all go do what's got to be done. See, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be funny or silly here. I'm just trying to show you that we have biblical precedent of people receiving from God by Jesus just simply laying hands, by other human beings simply laying hands. You can lay hands on the sick people and sick people recover. But just because you lay your hands on somebody who's sick and that person recovers, that does not mean that they're going to know God. That does not. My grandfather was supernaturally healed in a service. It was a few years after that before he even was born again. One of the stories that I remember so vividly from Pastor Chris Pilkerton, he had ministered healing to this uh, little boy on the, on the uh, mission field. I believe it was in Pakistan. Maybe y'all remember this story prayed God supernaturally healed and, and delivered that little boy and so then he says to the dad he says look I, you know are, are you saved did you receive Jesus did you respond to the altar call oh no no we're not interested in salvation you know interested in all that he goes, well, you know God just healed your little boy surely you want to receive salvation no no we didn't come for that we just came for the healing <laughs> you realize that man will go to hell one day if he don't get saved so I'm, I'm trying to show you something here does God still work and can you still receive from God by, you know, somebody else laying hands on you or somebody else, you know, ministering through a gift of the Spirit? He, yes, absolutely. But he didn't do that with Abraham and Sarah. He wanted them to establish the pattern for every one of us to follow. He wants people to know him. He wants people to learn and trust him. He wants people to, to, to fellowship with him and do life together with him. And so, again, listen to me, please. You know, we think, well, man, I just wish God would just zap me and then, you know, I go to sleep one way and wake up another and it all be over, blah, blah, blah. You do understand that this life is a training ground for what's to come. Not only can you barely see a little sliver of light on this earth, right? But also what we see is that this, even if you live to be 120 years old, this is the briefest period of your existence, yet will have so much impact on what happens after this life. And there are things that, that Father God wants you to learn. There are things that he wants, us to, to, he wants us to learn to trust him. He wants us to, 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 to be able to operate and, and walk in, right? As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him. So, stand with me. I know this may be a really weird way. I know this may be a really weird way of, of trying to make this, state, make this point, but I'm going to make it anyway, okay? What I've learned in almost 30 years of, of serving people coming out of, of a lifestyle of addiction, right, is that I cannot do it for them. It was, a, it was a, believe it or not, it was a hard lesson for me to learn, a long lesson for me to learn, but I learned it. I say a long lesson. I learned it pretty quick, but still, I should have learned it faster than I did, all right? And here's the lesson. Are you ready? 
If I do something for someone else that they're capable of doing for themselves, I'm not helping them, I'm hurting them. Now, I, you, that may be uh, a, a drastic way of trying to make this point, okay? But you, know, you think, okay, well, I mean, what's the big deal already? God, I mean, just do it already and let's go. He's already done it, see? Again, he's already given it to you. He's wanting you to learn how to trust him. He's wanting you to learn how. That's what, it, that's what with Abraham, I mean, he could have said bodies be healed. You know, and, and just, you know, them auto, automatically knew in their body, wow, okay, okay, this will work now. Let's go do this, right? Let's go have a baby. Not, that's not what he, he was, how many of you know God had a, a I mean, what he was trying to do and ultimately was accomplished in Abraham and Sarah, me and you are benefiting from it tonight because Jesus came through that bloodline. Are, are you, amen? So sometimes we get frustrated like, oh God, you know, why is comprehensive approach? I mean, why can't it just be simple? It, it, it is simple, but it's just different. And we're, tr- we're trying to receive as three-dimensional beings with one-dimensional thinking. And we're going to get to that next week. Father, thank you for life and peace. Thank you for helping us. Lord, we've covered a lot of ground tonight, and some of it's been repetitive on purpose. But, Lord, I thank you that, that these things are starting to, to develop, and, and, and we're, we're learning, Father. And, and there's, there's an established pattern Father, it would be different if, if, if no one had ever received anything. We're just making this up as we go along trying to figure it out. Lord, it's established for us. And if Abraham and Sarah can go from laughing to holding a baby, there's, there's nothing, Lord, that we desire to receive from you and walk in and experience in this room that can't be received and experienced. Father, thank you for teaching us how to make your ways and your things a priority in our lives. Thank you, Father, for revealing things to us as we set our hearts and minds and affections upon you, revealing things to us about your nature, your character, and your ability. Father, that we would begin to step out in small ways and ever-increasing ways of trusting you. And, Father, what we learn about you from that and how those things go from glory to glory and faith to faith and grace for grace, line upon line, line upon line, growing up into Jesus in all things. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for always believing the best about us. And, Father, we know that as we go this way, as we go our separate ways, you go with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Thank you.